Hello, everyone. One of your hosts, Ryan, here. Happy Halloween if you're listening to this live. This is a bonus Halloween treat for you. Just when you thought Screamtober was over of our dismembering of all four Scream movies, nay, we have a special voice, a special guest to deliver even more Screamtastic, Scream opinionizing, dismembering for you. Our friend from the podcast Retro Reviews, Peter Warden. We've had him as a guest on our Poltergeist 2 episode. I've guested for them for Poltergeist 1 and Poltergeist 3. Well, I asked him if he could uh, share some opinions on Scream 2 specifically. But, you know, you get a little bit of all his, all his, his Scream musings because he differed from us. We're, he, he's a Scream 3 guy. He's a Scream 3 over 2 guy, as he put it. Anyway, rather than a short little uh, bit like I thought we could share on our show, he ended up sharing, um, well, full, full like 20-minute chunk of some Scream musings. And I enjoyed it so much, I thought it would be a shame to withhold from you. That's, that's the context you need. Uh, I'm just going to say happy Halloween and take it away, Peter. Good evening, listeners, and good evening, Ryan and Tim. Thank you for inviting me on to Dismembering Horror. This is Peter Warden. You may remember me. I'm talking to the listeners right now. You may remember me from uh, about a year or so ago when I came on and as a guest for their Poltergeist 2 The Other Side episode. Or you may remember me as the guy who forced Ryan and Tim to watch the movie Arnold, um, <laughs> I, which I believe uh, – boy, don't quote me on this. I believe they gave Arnold a double buy rating. I think that was it. Yeah, yeah, they loved it. Yeah, that's that's my that's my memory. Maybe I'm wrong, but feel free to fact check me on that. But that's my memory. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you for inviting me on to talk about – well, you know, to give my two cents on honestly one of my favorite film franchises ever. Uh, I am stoked that Ryan and Tim are doing uh, – the Scream movies for the month of October. I am a huge fan of those movies. And by huge fan of those movies, I mean I am a huge fan of the first movie. I am such a huge fan of the first movie that I am perfectly willing to tolerate any of the flaws that are present in uh, the remaining three, which, um, you know, nothing that really takes the movies down, but, you know, it's like the first movie, the first screen movie I hold in very, very high regard and the others I, you know, I, I, I like, I will watch them. I will pretty much every Halloween, I'll watch at least a couple of them and sometimes all four as I did this, this year. But yeah, the first screen movie, um, I mean, honestly, I don't have any notes on your episode when it comes to the first Scream movie. I think the you what you laid down is kind of perfect. I guess all I can really do is sort of echo what you said. I think that movie is as uh, it's as perfect of a parody or a throwback or a love letter to slasher movies as you can get. It's clearly written by someone with a huge passion for that genre, and. Um, the way that they managed to weave in the horror as well as the comedy, as well as the, the characters, just letting us like get into the characters uh, emotions and feelings. Like that's what 
for me, that's that kind of makes a perfect horror movie when the main character is as relatable and as rootable as um, uh, Sidney Prescott is. I think Nev Campbell is phenomenal in the Scream movies, in all of them. But, you know, the first one in particular, she really gets you to care deeply about her character's plight. And I... I'm honestly, <laughs> I'm sure I will get some, uh, you know, backlash on this, if you will. But uh, I think Sydney Prescott, Nev Campbell as Sydney Prescott is the greatest scream queen, if you will, uh, as, at least as far as what I've seen. Um, and I have seen the first Halloween and I will just go out on a limb and say overrated. Okay, so, um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, boy, people are going to hate me right now. But, yeah, I think Sydney Prescott is fantastic. Um, I really care about her. I care deeply about her. And I and that's kind of what makes Scream so watchable and what makes the sequels so watchable, even if they're kind of faltering in their story structure. The fact that Nev Campbell continues to be the anchor in these is what keeps me coming back to them. Um, but yeah, Scream 1, it holds up so well. I've seen it so many times. It's And it really is like the perfect... It, it's a very difficult uh, genre to sort of um, take a balance on because if it tips either way, tips a, even a little bit more into comedy or a little bit more into horror... I feel like it could completely come crashing down, and it never does that. It holds the tone and just the spirit and the love of what it's in a way satirizing, and just it that the tone is just perfect. It's flawless. It just makes me so happy every time I watch it. Um, yes, even more so than Halloween, which I know everyone loves. Um, <laughs> Which is why when I, you know, when I first saw Scream 2, I was a little bit let down because, you know what, uh, Tim, I think it was, I've only listened to the episodes once, I believe it was Tim, when you guys got to what didn't work in Scream 2, I will 100% echo what Tim said at first, or what I remember Tim saying at first, is that there just wasn't enough Sydney in it, and... I 100% agree. Like, Scream 2 falters because I feel like they shove way too many characters in this movie. It is just a cavalcade of characters. For the first one, it was a manageable amount of characters. You got Sydney, you got a few friends, you got, you know, the cop and the sheriff and the dad. But it's all, it's pretty manageable. You can kind of track them all and watch them all and, like, suspect them in uh in a way that you know keeps you guessing and keeps keeps things effective whereas scream 2 has just it throws so many characters at you in just such a small amount of time that there's no real way to for me at least maybe some people just have better attention spans than I do but they the characters are just so plentiful they uh and it seems like every scene there's just more and more and not only are there just way too many suspects for me to get seriously invested in any of them, but also Sydney gets kind of buried under all of it. Um, yes, Sydney's there, but, you know, she's instead of, uh, you know, connecting with her friends or, you know, reminiscing about her, uh, you know, what happened a year ago in the first one when, you know, her, her, her mother was killed and getting to connect to her on, a mo- on an emotional level like that. 
we have her, you know, we got the boyfriend, you got uh, the other friends, you got got these sorority sisters who are trying to, you know, corrupt her in, and I just never, I've never found that section to be particularly interesting. It is a, there's just so much, the whole campus life aspect to the movie, it just kills it for me. I don't find any of that compelling. And Maybe it's just my, uh, I, I just find college themes movies to always be a little bit more annoying than most movies. There, there are just so many college movies that I feel like a lot of people love that just don't really work for me. Like Animal House, I think is just a prime example. I cannot stand that movie. Uh, old school from, you know, 17 years ago, never liked it. Everyone else seems to. And I mean, Scream 2, like the whole, uh, like you got the sorority, the fraternities, just college people just going crazy. It it all feels like just so overwhelming. Like the scene with Jerry O'Connell, because he gave away his letters and he is like tied up on that, you know, set piece for the play. I just find it annoying. It just, it's, it's very 90s in the worst way. I mean, I love the 90s as much as anybody, but this just all strikes me as the most annoying point, points of the 90s. So after watching Scream and just finding everything so relatable, but then having to deal with just the whole the college life aspect, it just really killed the movie for me. And, you know, not not horribly, not in a way that's, you know, fatal, but I that's when everyone says, when I hear people say that Scream 2 was just as good as the first one, that is something that always uh, just kind of grates on me. I don't know if you guys necessarily said that. I know you guys liked Scream 2, as it seems like everyone does. And and I do too. I mean, I like Nev Campbell, and I like Sidney Prescott, and I like the Scream franchise, so I still come back to it frequently, even though it's something that is, it's a movie that has always just kind of faltered in its tone for me. A big part of it, as well as Jerry O'Connell, who I just think is awful in this movie. And maybe it's not even his fault. When I hear about how many time, how many different drafts of the script were out there and how many different potential endings were out there, I wonder if Jerry O'Connell even knew if he was going to end up being the killer in the end. I mean, as we, as we have seen, he is not the killer in the end. It is um, somebody else who we will get to, but uh, I look at his performance and he just seems so lost. He has just like blank glaze and stare through the whole thing. And I'll be honest, I don't particularly love Jerry O'Connell in general, he is the star of my least favorite movie of all time that I have ever seen called Tomcats. And maybe I bring that um, resentment towards him when I watch Scream 2, even though it is not Scream 2's fault that four years later he decided to make Tomcats. But nonetheless, it it is something that always just personally kind of kills me when I watch Scream 2. And, but he, he really just does... I don't really see any chemistry between him and Sydney. I don't see any reason why they're dating, um, which I mean, yeah, that which to me is a failure on the part of the movie, because when, in the first one, even though her boyfriend turns out to be the killer and the, her boyfriend's kind of crazy and like kind of creepy, I still kind of saw I could feel it. I could I could feel the dynamic between them. I could feel like why they were together. I bought it. I don't really buy it with him. And I feel like this movie forces the idea that they would be together in what is 
by far the worst scene in all four movies. And that is the scene in the cafeteria where Jerry O'Connell just decides to start singing I Think I Love You to her. That scene is agonizing. I hate it so much. Timothy Oliphant clearly hates it so much. He's just standing out, just doing like these kind of like blank sort of claps, like trying to get into it, even though I I mean, I can just, I know he's playing a killer, but I just look at him, I can just see the actor saying, why, what is this? And I am feeling the same thing. I'm here for a Scream movie. What is this never been kissed? She's all that 90s heartthrob rom-com bullcrap doing here in this Scream movie. Oh, God. Okay, so um, I will just calm down for a second. That scene makes me very upset and really... uh, Jerry O'Connell really kills this movie for me. (laughs) Pretty much every scene with him is upsetting. And I feel like this movie... I feel like on paper, Scream 2 is a perfect movie because as you guys went into... The all the commentary about sequels are sequels uh, just cheap cash ins or plenty of sequels are superior to the originals. But uh, we're we just got Randy doing the uh, the checklist of how the body count is always bigger and the death scenes are always much more elaborate. And one uh, yes, and one more thing: never, ever, ever assume the killer is dead, which is in the trailer but is not in the movie, which is very weird for me. Why don't they have, why they had him say that final rule in the trailer but didn't bother putting in the movie? The movie feels, I mean, as you guys mentioned many times, this movie was rushed right into production like uh it got um it came out literally less than a year after Scream 1, only five days less than a year. But still, that's a quick turnaround, an incredibly quick turnaround. And I feel like if they had just had a little bit more time, like things like that could be polished. Why doesn't Randy at least say the third rule in the rules for a horror sequel? Um, And I also feel like there's just... You know, like I said, Scream 1, I feel like it balances the horror and comedy perfectly. There are scenes that are genuinely scary, genuinely creepy, and scenes that are genuinely funny. Whereas I feel like Scream 2, it's it's very clever. It's very clever in its themes and what it's trying to say about sequels. But I don't feel like at any point it succeeds in being particularly scary or particularly funny. I feel like a lot of attempts at humor just land with a thud, particularly among uh, Dewey and Gale, who are not at all my favorite parts of the Scream movies. I mean, they're uh, they're cute in the first one because they're just kind of like being, you know, they're they're just kind of a flirtatious sort of thing and it it's it's fun it works it's just kind of like in the background whereas in the second one they just spend way too much time with them and like i mean as as we've said not enough time with sydney um oh boy uh it's so yeah that's something that's it always grates on me i feel like there is if they had just had more time to just really polish the script get the humor to work well Get rid of, like, the sororities. Portia de Rossi and Rebecca Gayhart, I don't see any reason for those characters to be here. There, there, there is no reason there. It's, they just come off as annoying. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, cut out a lot of the other superfluous characters. You know, I, I was not aware until I listened to your episode that um, the scene between uh, the eventual killer, Mickey, and Sydney in the hospital uh, when they're there to 
because of um I don't remember his name. <laughs> the boyfriend Jerry Jerry O'Connell is injured. They're there, and Mickey comes in and comforts her. Uh, that that was a last minute addition because they didn't feel like there was enough screen time with Mickey. And uh, I sure hope. I, you know what? I'm only fifty percent sure that I have his name correct. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant's the killer. Um, that uh, that scene has always come off to me as a little bit out of place. Like what? Like where? Where is this coming from? What is this? And to hear from Ryan that, oh, it was kind of a last minute thing. They felt like they needed more screen time um, with Mickey. So the whole thing just feels a little jumbled. And just Wes Craven is a masterful director. So honestly, the fact that they had to turn this around as quickly as they did, I'm kind of amazed that they got as great of a movie as they did. But I feel like Scream is something that's so meticulously cared for and uh, the tone is just that, just so like perfect and flawless. So to expect the same thing from Scream Two, so quickly after, I mean, like I said, I think it's a perfect movie on paper. It just just doesn't quite hit it uh, execution wise. But thankfully, we have the fantastic Laurie Metcalf, who is truly, honestly, she is one of my top five favorite character, favorite actresses living today. I think she is fantastic. I love that she's in this movie. Um, I certainly didn't expect her to be the killer, nor did I expect Mickey to be the killer. Because, I mean, there are just too many characters who don't get enough screen time that ultimately the killer ends up being unguessable. And for me, that makes the reveal eventually just that much less compelling. Despite how great the movie is as far as sequel satire goes, the there's just not enough character development here that makes me as anywhere near as compelled watching Scream 2 as I do watching Scream 1. Um I I just feel like it's a huge huge step from that step down from that first movie and uh, so um, so yeah that's pretty much my take on it I feel like just you know what just cut at least fifty percent of the characters down I feel like they're just they're just so intent on making the killer that much more of a mystery and making us think that much harder about each person that they just kind of destroy the tone and the humor of what Scream 1 was. Having said that, um, Scream 3, which (laughs) I know I get a lot of pushback, and I pretty much have failed to get anybody on my side with this, but I do think Scream 3 is ultimately a better movie than Scream 2. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I just dissed Halloween, and then I said Scream 3 is a better movie than Scream 2, so please, please, don't, don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. I'm, I'm just, let me make my case here. Um, in Scream 3, at least, uh, the fact that we get to see further where Sydney is gone in her life, the fact that she's a, you know, runs a crisis helpline, or, you know, works for a crisis helpline, at least, and um, has become like a much stronger person over the years that makes me, I mean, that, that helps me connect on on an emotional level better than I connect with her in scream Two. That makes me a lot more interested and engaged. Yes. It does suffer from the same problem because scream Two is there's not enough Sydney, which uh, it was apparently a problem because uh, Sydney or Nev Campbell was committed to other projects. She had a limited amount of time that she could be a part of scream three. 
But uh, what is there with her in Scream 3, I enjoy a lot more than what is there with her in Scream 2. Um, she doesn't have to be serenaded by Jerry O'Connell singing I Think I Love You. She doesn't have to be, like, you know, trying to be uh, corrupted and hooked up with by the sorority sisters. She's someone who's, like, doing her best to put her pe- her put her life, put the pieces of her life back together and... Uh, reconcile with the memories of her mother and um and i mean there there's a lot to the story that i appreciate as well like the you know kind of subtle not really overt but something that i just only noticed in the last few years seeing that it is kind of a reference to roman polanski the fact that the director is named roman and there's stories about sydney's mother being uh you know being well severely mistreated as many women i'm sure have been in this industry the fact that they touch on that i appreciate that i think it is i think it works for the context of the movie it's an interesting way to go uh after the first two movies and i mean i like that that's pretty that's awesome despite the fact that i'm pretty sure harvey weinstein's name is attached to this movie i don't know that for the fact but i know that it was attached to the first two so i can only assume um and the scene in uh scream three where she stumbles onto the set that looks exactly like her hometown well not her hometown but the the climax of the first movie that scene kills me i think that is masterful sure it plays a little bit on us watching our um you know, trying to relive the past and trying to be like a throwback to what we love and remember about the first movie. But that's what, that's what sequels do. That's what trilogies do. And to find a real, just a fascinating meta way of doing it. And then that the killer likes coming up and like attacking her, that just, I love that scene more than just about any other scene in Scream 2. Okay, there are two scenes I love in Scream 2. Number one is the opening scene, the pre-title sequence, and number two is the scene where they are trying to, they have to escape from the cop car and are climbing up over uh, the um, over the killer. I, you, you, I don't need to describe it more. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about from that. Um, but the scene in Scream 3 where she is being attacked on what, you know, the set of what used to be her, her home, her house and having to relive that. I, I just love that. Um, I don't want to take, to take up too much of your episode here. I've already broken 20 minutes here, but, uh, yeah, love that you're doing the screen movies. Like I said, these movies, the first movie lives on in my heart so deeply and the other three, Hey, look, it's more scream. I'm I'm happy with uh a, like two more scream movies. Also happy with the fourth one. The fourth I saw the fourth one, the opening midnight screening the day it came out. That was so much fun. The audience was so into it. They were just like go like gasping, screaming, laughing in all the right places. Then I find out the next, you know, a couple days later, oh, the movie's a complete flop. Oh, wow, Scream 5 and 6 are canceled. <laughs> so now Scream 4 looks at this like this weird anomaly. Like the the first three, like they feel like a cohesive trilogy. You would think, you know, Scream 4, the plan was to make that a cohesive trilogy, 4, 5, and 6. And then uh, now it just looks like this super weird 
Disney Channel original movie type um, Scream uh, adaptation. It kind of blows my mind the Wes Craven directed Scream 4 because it just it's so much different from the other three. But uh, nonetheless, I'm happy they I'm happy that exists. I'm happy all the Scream movies exist. And Scream 1 is, I think, for me, just a perfect horror satire. Way better of a horror satire than, say, the 2000 movie Scary Movie could ever hope to be. Um Yes, I rewatched that as well right after the four Scream movies. And boy, does that not hold up in any way. I know that's not your genre. You probably won't do that on this show. But uh, oh, my God, what a misfire. Anyway, okay, you know what? I've taken up enough time. Uh, Love you guys. Love that you're doing the Scream movies. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on Scream 3. I'm going to take a wild guess that they are different from mine. I like Scream 3. Nobody else seems to. Um... And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And thank you for um, thank you for watching the screen movies, and thank you for watching Arnold, and um, thank you for inviting me to give my two cents on this podcast. Uh, have a great show! All right, bye bye. Happy Halloween.